Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, the big story obviously right now is Tropical Storm Amando Dash Cristobal or Amanda Cristobal or Amando Ball or Amanda Crista or Crystal Ball. I'm not sure what we're calling it right now, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> you know, I think I don't know either, but I'm impressed with what's going on for it just being a tropical storm. Like we were talking before, it looks impressive on satellite, like very impressive on satellite. And it's affecting like the whole Gulf Coast, basically, except not really Texas. But everybody else is feeling the effects of little tropical storm Cristobal. Right. Uh, and, you know, we, we did joke on the show last week, so that's what that kind of initial joke was if you are not familiar with what was going on. This storm is actually the remnants of Tropical Storm Amanda in the Pacific, and it made its way, progressed across Nicaragua, into the Bay of Campeche, into the Gulf of Mexico, and will now come ashore somewhere, uh, probably in the state of Louisiana. But uh, this thing, you know, took its sweet time getting its act together, but Bonnie, once it did, and as we have said, it's very impressive. Um, not to completely digress off of this, because I know we're going to get into, you know, choo-choo trains and, you know, go off on random tangents. But how awesome is it that we have these high, rapid, refresh satellite images that we can see minute by minute the storm forming and the storm actually, like, moving, taking formation and looking and be able to dissect the clouds? Not often. And that's it's incredible, honestly. It is. It is, and I, I'm so glad that Go 16 and 17 are operational. I'm glad that we finally have a satellite that can do this because, man, this thing is fun to watch. And, you know, we saw that last year with some of the bigger tropical storms. But, uh, you know, when you can get a new satellite photo every minute or every five minutes, it's better than every 15 and 30. It is. It gives you a better idea of what's going on and you don't miss anything like right with storms and stuff like that 30 minutes can mean all the difference especially with evacuations and things like that oh yeah so the speedier the better so i'm glad that technology is getting better and better all the time right i'm and i'm sure the next 10 15 years maybe 20 with the you know next advancement of weather satellites i will be able to look basically in real time yeah and just watch it live as it changes right oh that would be so cool (laughs) That well, and he cool. even downgraded to a depression like two days ago, right? Yeah. And then came back up to tropical storm status. Yep. So Cristobal had, you know, has run its path. And, you know, granted, if it had maybe another 24 to 48 hours, um, you know, we might be looking at Hurricane Cristobal. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, current advisory that's out from the national hurricane center winds are 50 miles an hour pressure down to 994 millibars it's moving north at five miles an hour it's a slow moving storm as you said it's impacting pretty much the entire gulf coast but texas yeah poor little texas yep. and we're all yeah yeah well i got <laughs> i got a story about texas here in a minute that we'll get into because you'll laugh at this um, <laughs> okay. and i apologize to all my longhorn friends 
when we when, <sighs> when I when we get into the story. But um, you know, the storm is impressive. Radar looks great. Uh, classic textbook. It's making that you know classic pinwheel shape that we love to see with the tropical systems. Again, it's a tropical storm. It's not. You know, it's going to be a big deal. Obviously, we're looking at the amount of storm surge is going to be, you know, the big story here. Winds, yes. Winds, you know, 50 miles an hour. Nothing to scoff at. But the amount of, you know, rain that's coming in, we're already starting to see lowland flooding, especially in areas um, along the Louisiana Gulf Coast, which we know most of the Louisiana Gulf Coast is actually built under sea level. You have dikes and you have dams and other flood control um, devices that allow that to happen. But, uh, yeah, wind, not the story. Rain is a story. Storm surge is a story. Yes, and those outer bands are also the story. Yes, and let's get into that right now because yesterday we saw the effects of Tropical Storm Crystal Ball make its way through Florida with a pretty intense line of severe thunderstorms. And, Bonnie, we even had a tornado touchdown in Orlando. Yes, a, a pretty good-looking tornado also yeah it um, was my entire twitter was only pictures of that from every person on earth it feels like was tweeting out that tornado right. so i mean if for just being a tropical storm cristobal is really making an impact across many many states so i'm i'm very impressed honestly very impressed i really am too by the way um you know when we tape the show, we're taping this Sunday afternoon. Um, currently, right now, I'm watching the Weather Channel in the studio. Mike Seidel's in the back of a giant truck driving around Grand Isle, Louisiana, which is already flooded. So, you know, technology advancements in TV, which we talk a little bit about on this show. Um, mm-hmm. Just, again, reaffirming the point. So, yeah, the Weather Channel's out in a mobile truck. And they're in the back of a giant, it looks like probably a former military truck. Um, but, yeah, Mike Seidel's just hanging out. You know, doing a live report going around uh, the town of Grand Isle, Louisiana, which is currently underwater. So, um, again, we knew this was going to be probably the case with storm surge and rainfall, but you never want to see this happen. It's just, you know, unfortunately, it's one of those side effects with tropical storms that um, are usually the most costliest and the most deadliest. Yeah, um, definitely. And for it to be kicking off like this so soon in the season is also very incredible. So I think that everyone needs to be on high alert for the rest of hurricane season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, we're early into it. Um, You know, it's June 7th, right? We are officially one week into the hurricane season. We're three named storms in. Obviously, the first two formed before the actual season started, which is not a rare occurrence. But, you know, these storms are impressive and you know, last year we kind of took a little bit of time to get going, and once we did, it finally went, you know, with a gusto. But hopefully that's not the case this year. But, you know, as you said, the tornado in Orlando yesterday, a direct result of crystal ball. Um, we're seeing the severe thunderstorm threat um, along Louisiana really increase today because of the amount of energy and amount of, you know, um, atmospheric dynamics that are going to support that are ramping up. We'll get into the other, uh, you know, enhanced areas of thunderstorms here in a little bit uh, in the show, but Bonnie, the available you know energy with crystal ball is there. The conditions are favorable, so it would not surprise me, probably nor you, if we were to see more tornadoes pop up today because we do get that when we have uh, landfall and tropical systems. Yes, um, I agree. I think that there's definitely that risk. Um, you know, the right front 
quadrant of the storm is always the one to look out for um, those outer bands that spawn the tornadoes. And that's what was in Florida yesterday. Um, those outer bands go way, way out. They do. From the center. And, you know, I, wa- I want to ask you a question. And again, this is me just kind of throwing something out there. Um, you know, when you have a storm like Cristobal, yes, if you look at satellite, it dominates the Gulf of Mexico, right? It's large geographically, but it's a pretty, you know, it's an intense storm, but it's pretty spread out, right? It doesn't have that classic eye wall. We're not looking at a major hurricane coming in, which is often tight and compact. But, you know, these bands yesterday were several hundred miles away from the center of Cristobal. So mm-hmm. my question to you is, at what point do you stop attributing, say, a tornado like what came through in Orlando to a tropical system that is out in the Gulf? Or say you have a hurricane approaching like uh, South Carolina. At what point do you disassociate, you know, a storm effect? What distance does that happen? So, again, I don't know if that's you know, something that could actually be defined or if it even needs to be defined. But obviously the tornadoes yesterday we saw in central Florida were a result of tropical storm Cristobal. Now, my counter argument to that is, well, that area was already favorable for strong thunderstorms and maybe you had a little bit extra, you know, oomph in the atmosphere because of Cristobal. So where's that fine line of defining is this because of this or is this just enhanced because of this? Well, I will say two things to that. The first thing, I think that satellite really helps determine how associated something is with a a storm system. Because you can see better if they're connected. You know what I mean? So I think satellite really helps with that. But then I don't think, like, all when it comes to severe weather here and tornadoes, we have to have the ingredients in place in the atmosphere. And then a storm system comes through to ignite those ingredients. Right. So I don't think what you were saying is the ingredients were already there. The situation was already favorable. So would it have happened with or without Cristobal? And I don't think it would have happened without. Okay. And that, again, that makes total sense. It's, you know, what was Cristobal the catalyst that kicked that off? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though it could be several, you know, 100 miles away. Now, again, we know tornadoes and, you know, severe thunderstorms are usually quick to pop up. But we also know that air is, is you know, acts like a fluid, right? Or air is a fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. You know, we talked about Rossby waves and we've talked about other pulses of energy that, you know, emit through the atmosphere. Obviously, when you have a tight tropical storm like Cristobal or a hurricane, you have those pulses of energy that will radiate from the center. That doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to see a line of thunderstorms rotating off of that. That does not always mean you're going to be able to detect it on a radar or a satellite, but that energy still has is still moving. Eventually, over time, yes, it dissipates. We get that. But, you know, this is where kind of that, that counter argument is. Was that a catalyst? Was there, you know, an outer band that had, you know, trans... Uh, versus the Gulf, hit Florida, the conditions were already ripe, and then boom, you know, kicked it off. So, Well, and I definitely think in this case it is Cristobal. And I'll tell you, because right now here in Oklahoma, it's like 90 degrees. The humidity is like 95. Like, I'm not kidding. It, we, you can like swim through the air right now. Oh. But we're, we're not getting any severe storms or anything because we don't have that that ignition. You know, the storm system that comes through that gets everything going. And so... 
I think that would be the case right now in Florida. That, that's just my hypothesis. No, and 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 again, I agree. I'm just I'm throwing that out there just for a discussion point because you know right. I, I was wondering at what point do you disassociate? Like I said, do you disassociate? You know something with uh, a feature that's several hundred miles away. Anyways, speaking of thunderstorms and weird, you know, gosh, atmospheric conditions, we talked last week about, you know, the severe thunderstorms that went through my neck of the woods out here in Oregon last weekend. And, you know, we shared the video on our Twitter page at B Square, um, our Twitter page at Weather Podcast, and on Facebook at B Squared Weather. But um, we talked about the little tiny town of Culver, Oregon. And yes. we weren't sure if it was a tornado. The photos that, you know, we had posted and the videos that we had shared, people were like, well, it had to be just look at, you know, the damage, you know, trees blown down and um, power poles snapped halfway up. You know, some of the indicative signs, right, of, of a tornado. Well, the National Weather Service Pendleton office, which oversees that area, sent a storm survey team out and determined there was actually no tornado. There was rotation within that cell, and there's a video of the rotation, but they could not find evidence of a tornado. So they attribute it to straight line winds uh, and several areas, 50 to 60 mile an hour gusts, even higher up toward 100 and maybe even a little bit more in some of the areas where the most significant damage was seen. Wow. Do you want to know one of the things they look at to determine if it was a tornado or straight line winds? Yeah, absolutely the direction everything's falling right so if it looks like everything in the area that has been blown down or destroyed or whatever is going in the same one direction then they determine that straight line winds right if it's more like stuff's going you know east south all the way around in all directions in a certain area that would be a tornado because the winds in a tornado are moving around you know what i mean correct so as it hits things, those things will go in whatever direction that wind hit it at, you know? So that's that's part of that, which I think is kind of interesting. No, it totally is. And, you know, they mentioned that in their storm survey. They said we could not find, you know, areas where items that had been blown down were in different directions. Um, right. And that's key because, as you said, you know, storms rotate, and so they get to blow stuff around. Um so one thing you mentioned about that, which, you know, you might not necessarily see ever in real life, right? You, you know, we obviously see the pictures of cornfields blown one way or, you know, houses kind of, you know, rearranged or rotated. But um, out here in the Pacific Northwest, Bonnie, you know, we're at a disadvantage for tornadoes, right? Obviously, we don't get them nearly as frequent as you do. But, you know, I've seen that in real life where you you know, see signs that something had rotated. So for some reason, the town just north of us, and we've talked about this this on the show, is Vancouver, Washington, just north of Portland. Um, Mm -hmm. And for some reason, they're in this weird little convergent zone where they have seen more than their fair share of tornadoes. You know, the biggest one in the Pacific Northwest went through, and I want to say it was a F4 at the time, a 3F4, killed a bunch of people in a movie uh, theater in a bowling alley. But there was a small tornado that formed probably over the West Hills of Oregon, dropped over the Columbia River, spun up, and then went through parts of the east side of Vancouver. And so at the time, I was working in radio in the tornado, you know, 
warning went off and the EAS went off and, you know, tornado warning, Clark County, blah, blah, blah. Well, met up with a friend of mine a couple hours later and we were driving around and we pulled into this um, new area that had been just cleared for development. So they just put the streets in the street lamps and there was a building about 300 yards away that one whole side of the brick building had basically fallen off. So the tornado had peeled the brick off of the building building was wow. still standing but it was pretty impressive well we drive into this new development and the light posts that they had just installed were all laying in different directions one was pointed to the east one was pointed to the south one to the west and one to the north wow and we're like huh yeah okay i mean it, you totally you start to make sense like okay a straight line wind wouldn't have done this right but something rotating would have exactly so, you know, it, it's a valid point. And again, I'm glad that's one of those tools that, you know, the National Weather Service and those that go on and do stir, uh, storm surveys, they look for because it's very indicative, right? You're not going right. to see, you know, things in a, in a rotating pattern or a round pattern that's, you know, not, nat- not naturally caused to happen that way. Exactly. And I think, you know, like we always talk about the advancement of technology, you know, helicopters, I think, help with surveying. But now that we have drones, That helps, too, because seeing that from a bird's eye view really helps you get a sense of what happened. And that's one of my I don't want to say favorite because that kind of sounds crappy. But one of my favorite things to see, one of the most interesting things to see is the path of a tornado from the air where the ground just looks like it's just been scraped just in this one path. Right. And I just think that's super interesting. I mean, devastating because a lot of times that's homes and cars and property and other things you know and so that's that's devastating but it's just interesting where it just really looks like just a nice scrape of the ground and so no. thank god for drones and helicopters right <laughs> you're, you're totally right and you know you see that from time to time um we didn't talk about this on the show much if uh, if we even uh you know talked about it all but pbs did a documentary on dr ted fajita Right. Mm -hmm. The father of, you know, tornado research, tornado damage. Um, It's available on demand. Go watch it. It's an hour long. You're going to find out a lot about the science behind tornadoes, Um, especially with what's going on right now with, you know, trying to figure out, you know, ways to increase diversity and, you know, help those out who are in the minority, you know, have a voice. Go watch this documentary because Dr. Uh, Fujita not only was a well-respected scientist in his own right, but the path that he took to get here is fantastic. And again, you know, we talk about, you know, in life, little things that we would consider maybe, you know, it was a godsend or, you know, luck or whatever. But Dr. Fujita was supposed to be, I want to say Nagasaki, don't quote me on that, but he could have been there when the atomic bomb was dropped, but wasn't. Wow. And, you know, he, I believe he was in, uh, either had just started college or was very close to starting college. And he did a bunch of survey damage on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, you know, that kind of spurred an interest into, okay, how are we, you know, how do buildings and how do things react and when he started, you know, becoming fascinating or fascinated with weather, he was looking at storms in the mountains of Japan. 
And apparently he had, you know, written a bunch of papers and a lot of his, you know, co-professors kind of scoffed at the idea like, no, this is not happening. And then by chance meeting meets a guy who's like, hey, you know, I think I've read a similar paper from a gentleman at the University of Chicago. And so they start corresponding and that's one thing leads to another. And all of a sudden Dr. Fajit is on his way to, to the University of Chicago and, you know, launches the career that we now know uh, he had. But it's a fantastic watch. It's available on demand. It's a PBS uh, thing. So I think most cable networks have it. And if not, I'm sure you can find it on, you know, on demand somewhere online. But it's worth the hour watch. So go out. If you have not seen it, find it. It's definitely worth it. Definitely. And I haven't seen like the whole thing. I've seen previews and little right. clips and stuff out of it. So I need to go find it and just watch it straight through because as a weather nerd, you can't just not watch stuff like that. Right. And, you know, with you mentioning, you know, advances in technology, he was the first one to start chartering planes to go up and getting the aerial view of places that, you know, had been hit. And he is credited with, you know, doing really the first in-depth storm surveys and they cover how this process happened. And I, I just sat there and I just kind of sat back in my chair and be like, you know what, this is one of those things that we really do now take for granted that we shouldn't because this technology and the way that this is, is less than, you know, 50 years old. So, yeah, you know, we really need to start understanding this better and we know we do a really good job, but yeah, go watch the documentary. If you haven't had a chance to, again, it's available on PBS on demand. Um, I want to say it's called American story and it's uh, just, just do a Google search for uh, Dr. Ted Fujita PBS and I'm sure it'll pop up. But. Definitely what I'm going to do when we're done taping. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, by the way, I know that we kind of skirted around Crystal Ball and the Storm Track, uh, but this thing looks like it's heading straight up the Mississippi River Valley. So, Yeah, I saw that Wisconsin was in the cone of uncertainty. Yes, it is. So and you know they what all need to be on high alert. Yes, and you know what happens after Wisconsin? Canada. Alaska. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, it's true. It's true. It but you know, and it's very possible it could make it that far, but it would just be remnants and some right. showers and whatever. But still, I mean, we've gotten remnants from different. I want to say we had remnants from Bill. Oh, nice. A long time ago. Well, not like a long time ago, but probably like four or five years ago. I think it was Bill. Okay. Doesn't get much better than a tropical storm or hurricane named Bill. I can't remember what right. it was. Especially but... in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? What if it had hit Arkansas? You know, I love that too, but I'm just saying, you know, everything. I, I'm going to make this joke. You know, Bill Clinton's from yes, Arkansas. Yes, like, I'm, that'd I'm, be so funny. I'm, I'm going to make this joke right now, and it's, it is true, but it's also not. No matter what we talk about on the show, this somehow comes back to Twister. It will never, <laughs> ever, ever not happen. <laughs> we'll be able to find something somewhere. That is actually true. So. <laughs> <laughs> i agree <laughs> right um i know that our, our friends at the stormfront freaks did like a live tweet thing when they watched twister bonnie i think you and i need to do that as well yeah oh we definitely do because that's so fun or we need to do a podcast episode where we're watching it together and like commentating or like something like that yes i am down and now that's available so uh by the way speaking of netflix and on demand uh twister is now on netflix that's huge, people. That is huge. It is. So let's go out and watch it. Uh, let's watch it a lot so we make sure that we keep it there. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. There you go. So, but yeah, so uh, maybe we'll have to do that, uh, you know, coming up very soon. We'll do a special one-off episode of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast, where we uh, we watch Twister uh, and we talk about it on the show. Look, people like that, and I'm, I'm not going to name drop this podcast, but I'm listening to a podcast. Go ahead. It's cool. Put on by two actors who are on a show that's no longer on TV, but they've uh, gotcha. gone back, and each week they watch an episode of it, and then they talk about it. Right on their podcast, and you're not referring to the cool. uh, you're not referring to West Wing Daily, are you? No. Okay, that's another one where they do that, but it's Scrubs. Oh yeah, oh yeah, great show by the way, great Love show. Love it. Love it. So no, I mean, listen, we're all we're we're one big giant happy podcast family. So that's true. That's true. But um, so speaking of storm chances, uh, obviously we talked about the enhanced risk, and you know. Obviously, that with the landfalling tropical system with Cristobal. But, Bonnie, that's not the only place that we're watching storms today. Uh, the upper Midwest into areas like South Dakota, North Dakota, and then parts of uh, Minnesota are under the gun. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not fair. <laughs> I know you're not happy that Oklahoma no. is baking and uh, everybody else gets the fun. Yeah. No, it's all around us. And for the next, like, two or three days, it's all around us. And I'm just like, it's cool. We'll just boil alive over here. Like, it's no big deal. Well, I will say this. You know, we'll get to our forecast here in a minute. But, you know, most of the state of Oregon is under the general thunderstorm area. You guys aren't even in that. No, we're in nothing. We're in sweltering humidity, beads of sweat falling off of our faces when we just walk to the car from our front door. How do you really feel? Hang on, let me go get some cheese to go with my wine yeah, over here. Yeah, I'm you sorry. totally should. Is it a white or a red? <laughs> oh, it's like a sweet white, of course, oh. because I'm a girl. Right, and you got to have it on ice. Yeah. Got ice. 100%. Yeah, by the way, here, here's your here's your pro tip. I know this is why you come to this podcast to get pro tips on wine. If it's white, ice it. Just saying. And pro tip for that pro tip, freeze grapes to use as your ice cubes instead of actual ice so that when it melts it doesn't water down your wine uh, oh there you go Even about, and you have a tasty snack yeah because you know wines are made from grapes so if it's a white wine use green grapes if it's a red wine i guess you don't really chill it some red wines you can yeah but i'm just saying there you go yeah pro tip on pro tip on pro tip boom Wait, you come. get a pro tip and you get a pro tip and you get a pro tip okay okay <laughs> watch that will that will be the uh when we uh turn to our friends at headliner the people that we use to help do our podcast promos that's exactly the cut they're going to (laughs) use you get a pro tip you get a pro yeah anyways um but you did have some storm chance earlier this week and you snapped an awesome photo of a shelf cloud so tell me the story i mean or, or tell our listeners the story because you told me the story and i was rolling it's hilarious (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I knew there were storm chances that evening, and I think that was Thursday evening, or was it Wednesday? I believe Wednesday. So Wednesday evening, no, I knew was, there was... It was it, hold on here. Was it Wednesday or Thursday? I need to look. We need to look. I want to say, I think it was Thursday. Okay, I'm going to pull it up. Hold on here. Hold on here. Oh. Do, do, do. Bonnie, text message. This was... Uh, you sent it, you sent the thing here Thursday. It was Thursday night. 
So I knew there was storm chances. Better in the southwestern region, but we were kind of on the outskirts. We were still in the slight for the severe weather, so I was pumped. And it was kind of, it was later in the evening. It was probably close to eight o'clock and it was getting darker and darker. And I could, I knew stuff was bubbling up to the West. So I just go to get food because, you know, I eat food. So I go to Waterburger. I'm in line. The line's really long. So I'm just sitting there forever and ever. And I'm behind the building. I'm, I can't see the sky really, you know, whatever. So I get out of line and I'm leaving and this particular Whataburger is like in a big shopping center parking okay. lot. So I'm driving through that parking lot to get out to a main road to go home. And I get out in that parking lot and I look up and I see this shelf cloud. And I'm not kidding. I stopped breathing for a second. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I just like whip into a parking spot. Not very well, I might add. And I just get out and I take a big old pan- panoramic and then I take like 75 photos and section photos of everything. And I'm just like. I have to remember this forever. And I immediately get in the car and I put it on Twitter. And then, you know, every other person who lives in Moore and Norman also posted pictures of that shelf cloud. But I was just, just shocked. It was the most, I mean, I've seen a million shelf clouds, but that was the prettiest, most structured, gorgeous one I've ever seen. Well, the fa- the photo is fantastic, and it's on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast. It's going to become our new headline uh, photo on Facebook and Twitter. But Bonnie, that thing was gorgeous, and you know when I saw it, and he sent me the text message, just go look what I just tweeted. Um, you know, I pulled open, and I was just like, man, that is epic. I showed my coworkers at the bar. It's like, check this out. This is what's going on right now uh, through South Oklahoma City, and it was fantastic. It's beautiful. I've seen a shelf cloud. Times two. I think I've seen two or three tops. And wow. it's that that one, you know, it, it it's textbook, it's pretty. Um, it doesn't get more photogenic than the what what you sent. Oh, it was so so good. I still couldn't believe it. And then of course that was like the precursor to the gust front. So as I'm leaving after taking my panoramic photo, we get hit with those winds. Very strong winds. It was like a wall of dust coming at us. You know, of course, it brings in a little bit of rain that it's just blowing rain at us, you know. And then uh, as the line gets closer to more, it dies, it splits, it just goes on down to the southwest. We got nothing other than the shelf cloud and the wind and the sprinkles. Okay, now my next question is, what did you get at Whataburger? (laughs) I think I got the jalapeno cheeseburger. Oh. Yeah. Okay. She's keeping it spicy, folks. Keeping it spicy. Okay, now you called it Whataburger. Yeah. Okay. What do you call it? Well, I call it Whataburger. Well, that's what I said. Now Whataburger. You, now you say it differently. Look, I'm in Oklahoma. That is true. That is very true. And us folks around here say things different. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> I say like Whataburger. Yours was more like Whataburger, but that's just that's just the dialect. So. Yeah, but, but they're the same. No, they totally are. They totally are. Um, I don't know if we have any Whataburgers in Oregon. I need to go double check that. I know we used to, but mm. uh, anytime I'm in the South or the Midwest and there is a Whataburger, I am there. Um, I won't tell you the amount of times in Nashville I've gone to White Castle uh, <laughs> with friends who have been partaking in the were your friends beverages. harold and kumar no but uh they oh. were, they thought they were after partaking in many many adult <laughs> beverages 
Um, and as the you know <laughs> as, as the DD usually, I'm you know the one driving everybody to White Castle or Chick Fil A or whatever. So um, yeah, yeah, it's all good. We've all been there. <laughs> I can only imagine you ordering this food, and everyone's like, "Can I get like seven orders of fries and oh. like four burgers? Oh yeah, and some tots and cheese fries." Um, there have been some uh, country music artists who I will not name that have been in the car that have done that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's always it's always a fun time. There is no doubt about that. Hey, you know what? If you don't eat junk food after drinking heavily, right. then you're not going to survive it. You know, like that's how you get through the hangover. I, w- I will say this last night. So um, our our state is finally starting to reopen. We are significantly behind a lot of other places, but it is what it is. So the county that I live in and the county that I work in for the bar is in phase one. So we're mm-hmm. allowed to have like 25% of our capacity, but we are not allowed to have our dance floor open. The bar that I work wow. at is known for dancing. And so people are like, Oh, well we're still going to come dance next to our table. I'm like, as long as you stay six feet apart, I don't really care. But so <laughs> we're going to go dance next to our table. <laughs> and you know, some people did. And we had, an, we had to tell people on Thursday night, like I understand when you line dance, you kind of want to be like in a group setting, right? Well, we had people from one end of the bar and the other end of the bar all just kind of like run toward each other. And I'm like, no, we can't do this. Yeah. Like you need to stay far, far apart. Like until we fully reopen, we can't do this. Anywho. So last night, got done with work and I was like, you know, I'm really hungry. I'm going to swing through Taco Bell. Now, again, I don't drink at work because when you work in a bar, alcohol is really the last thing you want to do when you get off of your shift just because you've been dealing with people all night long. Anyways, I want to go to Taco Bell. I haven't had Taco Bell in a very, very long time, like going on probably four months. And I'm And I'm not a huge Taco Bell fan anyways, but occasionally it's like, listen, a burrito sounds really good at midnight, right? 1 a.m. I pull into the parking lot. And it's 35 cars deep. Oh. And I'm like, not a chance. And let me just tell you, on the weekend nights, they have the D team working, which makes no sense. Why wouldn't you have your good people on when you know it's a Friday and Saturday night and you're going to be busy? But no, like you will stay in that line for two hours waiting for your burrito. It's so annoying. It is. And, you know, we've like I said, we've all been there, but. Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm really not that hungry. I'll just head home. So came home and uh, yeah, maybe I'll hit Taco Bell tonight when I get done with work, but we will see. We shall see. You know, that was the universe saying, you don't really need Taco Bell at one in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. Although, you know, I was really kind of hoping for some of those uh, cinnamon twists, but hey, <laughs> to each their own. Do you have Bueno up there, Taco Bueno? We don't have Taco Bueno. We have Taco Del Mar, which is amazing. We have Taco Time, which is very much a Northwest-only chain, and they're yeah. fantastic. Oh, my gosh. They are fantastic. Um, you know, we have Taco Bell, and then we have a place called Mexicali Express, which hands down is by far the best authentic Mexican food that you can get through a drive through This place is life-changing. And now all of a sudden I'm really hungry for Mexicali Express. <laughs> well, next time you're in this part of the country, hit up Bueno, Taco okay. Bueno, and get their cheesecake chimichangas as dessert. Okay. Good to know. And it will change your whole life. Fantastic. I, I really hope so. Well, it will. 
<laughs> well, welcome to Food Talk here on B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I told you, I told you from the moment the show started that we were going to be on train tracks that are going to go all over the place. Exactly. But you know what? That's what we do. We help you out with weather and also everyday problems. Absolutely. Like which taco blank restaurant do you want to go to? <laughs> yes, and depending on where you are in the country, that's what that's where you got to go. But Bonnie, exactly. an- another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I'm Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.